I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School. When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Hi everyone, welcome back to Saturday School. Today we're talking about the 2015 film Female Pervert by Ji Young Lee. <laughs> you just say Ji Young Lee and everyone has to laugh a little bit. <laughs> when we were making top 10 lists of Asian American films of the year, we gave it number one, probably to the confusion of some people. <laughs> to everybody, but to the utter amusement of us. Not that we did it just for laughs. I think we legitimately thought it was the best Asian American film that year. Yeah. But uh, I don't think most people would agree with us. Yeah, and it got pretty panned by critics. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I think it was actually a pretty good year in Asian American cinema, too. I'm looking at our list right now. We, we listed female Harvard number one. Number two is Grief of Others, directed by Patrick Goings. Oh, man. <laughs> the most important Asian American filmmaker now. Number three is Crush the Skull. Wow, that was a really good year. We love Crush the Skull and Patrick Wing. Four is Songs My Brothers Taught Me, directed by Chloe Zhao. Oh my goodness. Number five is Advantageous, <laughs> directed by Jennifer Fong. Soul Searching is on this list. Miss India America is on this list. And the number one was Female Pervert. <laughs> and I think um, that's something to be proud of. <laughs> Wow. I mean, okay, I guess it says something that sometimes we don't always say that I assumed maybe it was not a good year for Asian American cinema. But that was a pretty good year for Asian American cinema. There are definitely bad years. That was a good year. Yeah, we like all of those movies. But something about Female Pervert made it stand out. (laughs) Oh, it definitely stands out. How big are your balls? Um, (laughs) they're kind of balls. Yeah? Let me see your balls. Sometimes with Asian American films, you get really excited because it's kind of like a mainstream film that you like. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the quality is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Crazy Rich Asians is a little bit like this. It's just like a Hollywood romantic comedy. And you've never, ever seen that with Asian Americans before. But I think for us, since we cover Asian American cinema, we have seen a lot of stuff like that before. But I think part of the reason we had the inclination to shoot female pervert so high on the list is because we had never seen anything like it before <laughs> yeah and if crazy rich asians is so exciting because it's the production value and the performances this is the opposite this is like zero production value and the performances i think we love them but i could see some people being really turned off by them well i mean this will take us into the history of ji young lee but yeah, yeah i feel like this actually has pretty good production value for ji young for sure <laughs> all right so yeah maybe let's go into who this magical figure is. Yes, tell us about her. In 2011, this is my first year programming for the San Diego Asian Film Festival. Jiung actually emails me saying that she's in a new film called Pleasant People. I think it played Slam Dance. Yeah, I think her films are popular in Slam Dance. Yeah, they're very Slam Dance kind of movies. So like if Slam Dance is the independent but Hollywood adjacent festival, Slam Dance is the reaction to that, which is we're going to set up our real estate really far from Hollywood. So films that are a little bit um, they don't resemble <laughs> like quote unquote movies, or they're just about things that are a little bit off the beaten path. So Pleasant People is perfectly pleasant. It's directed by David Bonowitz, who is a frequent collaborator of Ji Young, and they're now married. I didn't know any of this back then. Ji Young just emailed me saying she's in this movie. 
What stood out was Ji Young as the lead actress playing a character named Ji Young. She just didn't look and sound like anybody else I'd ever seen in an American independent film before. Wait! I have a rock in my show. Hold on! What was she saying? She's a liar! Don't even talk to me! I don't even know what to say to you sometimes, Ji Young. Uh, I mean, it helps that she is Korean American. She's in Atlanta. She's a musician. And it's about like trials and tribulations in, in love. And then her songs in there were fantastic. She comes in a band as well with, with David. So that always stuck in the back of my mind. And then. 2013, Moral Sleaze happens. This is her feature-length debut as a director. What can I even say about Moral Sleaze? I'm not a comedy, this is a tragedy, okay? This needs to be fixed, and I don't know how to fix it, and you're just sitting there playing with panties. It's under 70 minutes. She's a director, but she's also the lead actress, and she just can't believe how strange the world is around her. You just annoy me, and you make me mad sometimes. And she has just this way of going through life just in utter shock that everyone is ridiculous and stupid. So I don't eat meat or animal byproducts, but I do eat fish, so basically anything without legs. So can you eat snakes? And yet we don't necessarily think she's necessarily smarter than anybody else, but it's just hilarious to see her kind of react to the world. And most of all, it announced really, really boldly a completely new voice in Asian American filmmaking. The film did not really play well or very many places. I think it played some underground film festivals. Just folks who are just turned on by <laughs> things that look really strange. I remember like even at our film festival, the majority of us loved this movie to death. It really like made us proud of that year's programming that we were the kind of festival that would embrace it. But there were also some on the programming team that were just, but this is a really atrociously put together movie. <laughs> and the acting, some people just thought it was really off-putting and amateurish, but I think there's definitely a method to that madness. Would you say it's kind of treading a fine line between like amateurish and just like complete awkwardness? And maybe people might be reacting to the awkwardness. Yeah, because it's easy to interpret awkwardness as you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think she absolutely knows what she's doing. And it's just her voice. I mean, even if it's not like super consciously, I, I'm an artist. I think she's like, I just want to speak the way I speak. Your legs are hairy. Oh, did you brush your teeth? Okay, so that kind of made her a cult hero among some. And then in 2015, she releases Female Pervert. And this plays the Slam Dance Film Festival. And it's actually quite a, a development from Moral Sleeves. If Moral Sleeves was obviously low-budget trashy, like like trashy in an underground way that, you know, like John Moritsugu, we talked about last week, subscribes to. This one is actually very clean-looking. It almost looks classy. And, it, like, the places it takes place in seem like the characters have stepped up in the world. But what's so magnificent about that is the characters themselves are still just fabulously and so preciously Ji Young. Flashlight? I don't know what this is. It looks like a flashlight, but when you open it, there's a vagina-like hole. Uh, and it comes out light from here? <laughs> no, it's a masturbation tool. This time, Ji Young is not the lead actor. That is Jennifer Kim, who plays a character named Phoebe. She works at a PR agency for millennials, but on the side, she makes video games, specifically video games that allow you to pop people's pimples. It's OCD deliciousness. It's like Operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like the old game Operation. You take tweezers and you pluck pubic hairs and you pop pimples. So already she's announcing herself as like, yeah, that's really weird, but also 
there are a lot of people who are into watching pimple popping videos and are really obsessed with plucking hairs. And, you know, she's just manifesting that in a very direct way that to her seems totally normal. But I think that also speaks to, uh, for better or worse, her approach to dating in this movie and her approach to derive sexual pleasure. Um, the movie is called Female Pervert, which I think actually doesn't do the film justice. I think that's like, spills it out a little too directly or, or maybe overemphasizes the perversion of it. I wouldn't really call Phoebe a pervert. She has very specific things that she knows she wants from men. Like popping pimples is a very specific kind of pleasure. And her problem, or what gets her into trouble, is that she just asks for it. She just uh, directly, basically requires these men to play along with her, and it scares them off. And that, and that, that's just that's just what happens throughout the film. Well, I think you're kind of overselling her normalness. Okay, <laughs> I, I think I think you're right. So why don't you counterbalance that with another perspective? Because um, it's true that she just has these desires. But I feel like it's a play on what you always see with single women characters where it's like, why can't I land a guy? They're always interested at first, but then something happens and then they run away. Whereas in most movies, it would be like maybe she scares them away because they know that she wants marriage and babies. You know what I mean? Normally, that would be the reason that the lead in the romantic comedy is having problems. But for her, it's not just that she... (laughs) Is asking to see men's balls pretty early on in a relationship. <laughs> There's like social cues. Exactly. Well, that's that's what I'm getting at. The problem to me isn't her sexual perversions. It's her antisociality in terms of how do we interact with people who you're trying to go on dates with. There's nothing normal about that. Uh, quote unquote normal. You should explain what a theremin is because I <laughs> learned what it was from female pervert. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. It's an instrument that um, plays certain kinds of creepy noises in old horror movies. It's a rod that picks up certain kinds of electric signals, maybe? Yeah, depending on like how close you are to it, and usually you use your hand. Yeah, but she <laughs> finds other instruments to play this instrument. Yeah, and that's the opening scene of the movie. The opening scene in the movie is this guy is like watching her play the theremin and so impressed, but then she like pulls out a dildo. And like, Why don't you play it with this? I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> I'm like, I guess it's, yeah, I guess you could argue it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, if like you didn't do that on the first date, <laughs> or you know what I mean? Or it's like, you know, or there was like some sort of trust involved. You know, you need some sort of like trust and playful, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think, cause I think you're right that if you knew somebody already and then they ask you to do that, I think that'd be different because also probably because you would have picked up on the fact that that's probably something that they would be into. So the whole setup that doesn't really get elaborated in the film, but which I think is very clear, is that all these men who are white are kind of entranced by this Asian girl who's very good looking. And they probably have certain ideas about what an Asian woman is into. So I think that that's also where the surprise comes from. And then why they want to flee? Because they're like, I did not know you were like this. Yeah, and I think part of the reason that certain critics might not consider this a full-fledged film is because the plot is a little bit just like watching her date a series of men in succession. Yeah. And it is kind of funny. <laughs> it's very <laughs> like... funny. I mean, it's not very long. It's only 63 minutes. And it's not 
it's not just your average white guy. It's a very specific kind of white guy. There's one that she meets as part of a Murakami book club. The kind of white guy that would be part of a Murakami book club. But he's like the white guy that comes into the Murakami book club. And then he suggests that they read Lolita instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he suggests Lolita. And she's like, oh, you like Lolita, eh? Because <laughs> she's usually completely unimpressed with the world. Like she doesn't smile very much and it's so hilarious. And then, and then she kind of perks up to the idea of Lolita. And in our minds, we're thinking, uh-oh, what's... We know how this is going to turn out, and that's exactly how it turns out, and it's, it's very fun to watch. It's all interspersed with scenes with her therapist. So we know, I mean, part of it is that she thinks that all these men that are interested in her are not very, quote-unquote, open-minded. <laughs> so, like, I think that's what excites her about him. Like, oh, maybe he'll be open to doing these, like sexual acts that I'm interested yeah. in. Yeah, which are, and again, like, they're very minor acts of perversion. They're very innocent, and I think that's what makes her so endearing, too. One guy gets scared off because she wants to watch him pee, and then she takes a picture of him. Whoop, whoop. Hey, uh, occupied. Occupato. Your pee smells like asparagus. Okay, that's creepy. Close the door, please. So, I mean, it's borderline because she doesn't always ask for consent but she just assumes that finally it's a guy who gets my world and i can just do it and she's disappointed (laughs) yeah but i think for me as an asian woman watching this i think part of the reason you don't feel that sorry for these guys even the nice ones because a lot of them are very nice most of them are nice yeah is because they clearly are just looking at her superficially they're ignoring all of these obvious things like when she asks really like weird things like they just shrug it off like oh she's just a cute asian girl whatever and then when she like does something to them they're like so shocked and run away and <laughs> you clearly didn't like care about who she actually was you clearly had an idea of her and that's what got you in trouble. So maybe you should learn from that. <laughs> yeah, there are plenty of signs. We're laughing along with it. We see all the signs. Is that problematic, though, now that I think about it? Because victims of predators, a lot of people are like, why didn't you see the signs? But I feel like this is like very innocent. Like It's like, oh, I don't know. If I'm, am I just defending her? I don't know. <laughs> well, so I, I think that um, she is a very problematic character. And um, we shouldn't condone folks who are going to just grab what they will. Yeah, but I yeah. think that in those moments, we are not cheering for her. Like, we are also just as taken aback by her. Yeah, we're, I mean, it's, I think that's why I thought you were, like, overselling her normalness in the beginning. Because oh, okay, yeah, we're yeah, not, yeah. like, entirely on her side. I mean, we're kind of on her side, but we don't want her to hurt people. And we don't want her to hurt herself. But we see that she is constantly being hurt. And I think that you're getting at, like, what I think is really brilliant about the film. Which is, it, this could have easily just been like, hey, ha, ha, let's just watch this hilarious person. And I think that would have been the problem. But instead, like, you do get the sense that she's really, really sad. And um, there are constant hints to the fact that she was in a recent breakup. She does see a therapist. She knows that she's got issues. She's aware of this. And I think the film is aware of this, too. And I think a great moral center, if there is one, is the cameo by Ji Young Lee in the film where she's just like, you guys are all crazy. <laughs> we don't cheer for any of this. And neither is the therapist. The therapist is hilarious, too, because she's like completely given up on her. Her interactions with the therapist are just a the therapist being disturbed. Like, I can't believe you exist. Like, why do I have to have you as a patient? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The therapist is truly terrible, too. It is kind of funny that the reviewers hated it so much. The Variety one said, More creepy than quirky, this aggressively eccentric indie comedy is a ponderous laugh-free zone. Which is so weird to me. <laughs> like, what? 
like, like, like everything in there is actually correct except for the part about laughing. Yeah. What does a Hollywood reporter say? Female pervert misfires on so many levels. It's remarkable that nobody put this project on hold for a thorough reevaluation prior to production. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, just knowing how Ji Young works, there was nobody who could have told her, no, this is completely her project. This is a truly independent project that was very, very low budget. I think her Kickstarter said it was for $6,900. Oh, yeah, $6,900. <laughs> because she just really wanted to say it would cost $6,900. It may have cost even less than that. They probably just spent most of the money flying out the actor Jennifer Kim, who's, who's really good in this. She's great, yeah. And when I first heard about the movie, I was scared that a Ji Young Lee movie that's not starring Ji Young Lee would not make sense because it's so about her voice, but it totally works. I'm looking at the Hollywood Reporter article now. It's kind of saying that, hey, this movie doesn't even have any sex scenes. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have a single makeout session and therefore makes it tame. And I think it also speaks to like people want to see that kind of thing. Like I think the reviewers want titillation where this is about not getting any of that. It's about frustration and it's about like feeling alone in one's own supposedly perverse mind, but in her mind is completely normal. Like, can't you see this is all really great? Why are you all ignoring me? Right, right. So I would say like the reactions of her to the world and the world to her are absolutely hilarious. And that's what we're laughing at throughout the film. It's not necessarily the actual things that she wants to do. Yeah, and it's also kind of interesting yeah. that it elicits such frustration and judgment from the critic. As if the critic was one of the white males that came in expecting something that they shouldn't have expected. Oh, there it is. There it is. I think you just unlocked the mystery. <laughs> yeah, she probably just saw like a pretty Asian girl on the cover and it's called female pervert that oh, this is going to be this is going to be fun. And it's not the kind of fun they were expecting. And that's not her problem or our problem. <laughs> So when this movie came out, it played Slam Dance, which is pretty prestigious and should launch you into a long festival life. And it didn't really do that. Like it played a few festivals throughout the country. We played it at the San Diego Asian Film Festival. No other Asian American film festivals played it, nor have they ever played any Ji Young Lee film. She's just not part of that scene, apparently. And I kind of get why. Um, I mean, maybe they watched Female Pervert and said, this maybe celebrates a sex offender but uh <laughs> no i don't think so that's a great misreading of the film or they're just like this doesn't showcase the positive side of a representation the same problem that john moritsugu has and if so if she's a new john moritsugu then uh that's a wonderful thing and i think it's it says a lot that she hasn't been embraced as much as she deserves and then it only makes those who love her value her even more yeah Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck, a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky Music and Premium Beat. Check out our new website at SaturdaySchoolPodcast.com, where you can find lecture notes and links to all the films we covered. Or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A-D-A-T-S-E-N-G. Brian's at Who's Brian, H-U-S-B-R-I-A-N. And our podcast handle is Wake Up Set School. Next week, your assignment is to watch the 1965 Russ Meyer film, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, starring Tura Satana. Class dismissed. Should we talk about the farting? There's great farting in this movie. I, I don't think we need it.
I mean, if you if you would like to talk about farting, go for it. There's great constant farting that gets remarked upon in other hilarious ways. It's farting. There's earwax. I don't know if I have a whole conversation about it. 